Yes, it's Monday, and we all know what that means, don't we? We get to talk about ghosts. Yes, we do. But today is a very special day because it's not very often in your life you get to speak to someone who, within your genre or within your field, is the top of the tree. And the person we're going to speak to today is the angel on top of the tree. I'm talking about none other than Jimothy Harold. Hooray! I know it's James Harold or Jim Harold. But, you know, Jim, Tim, Jimothy, it works. Anyway, you can get, obviously, if you don't know by now, you can find all of Jim's podcasts. He does The Campfire. He does The Paranormal Podcast. He produces his daughter's podcast, Unpleasant Dreams. He's done one with his wife called You Won't Believe What Happened to Me. Basically, he's covered the gamut in terms of podcasting. And if you want to binge for days worth of content, mainly in the paranormal genre, head over to jimharrell.com and get on to what he's put out. He's a legend and he's here today. Okay, so a couple of weeks ago, I dropped a big hint that I was going to be speaking to one of the legends of the paranormal sphere. And I was not taking the mick when I said that. I was being sincere because unbelievably... You guys can't see this because it's audio, but I am right now staring into the depths of the spooky studio of none other than Mr. Jimothy Harold. Hello, Jim. Hello, sir. How are you today? And thank you so much for the kind words. It's a pleasure to be with you and your audience. And uh, I thank you so much uh, for the kind invitation and look forward to talking about some spooky stuff. Excellent. No, no, um, believe me, I said to you before we started to record, it's not blowing smoke. I'm a sincere fan of yours, have been for over a decade. Very proud to be so too. You are, you know where they say, never meet your heroes because you'll be disappointed. <laughs> um, well, let's see how we get on. Yeah, I'll let you know yeah, at the, the end. The, the jury's still out. <laughs> the jury's still out. Well, yeah, yeah. No, I'm sure we'll be just fine. Um, so I've just got a few things that I want to talk to you about. I mean, mm -hmm. they're all paranormal because that's the point of the show. Mm -hmm. Um but first and foremost, I know that you obviously come from an audio background anyway, don't you? Didn't you, your career kind of start in, uh, was it like selling and stuff and then you moved into radio? Yeah, what happened was I'd gone to school for broadcasting, mainly television actually, more so than radio. And, you know, back in that day before the internet really took hold in early 90s, they said, hey, get in anywhere that is a radio or a TV station in any capacity that you can. So yeah. I went out and I got a sales assistant job at a radio station. And lo and behold, I fell into uh, selling advertising and did that on and off for about a dozen years. At first as like just an assistant and I actually sold. Then I left radio for a little bit and then came back. 2005, I found myself working for a radio station, uh, a wife, two kids, a mortgage, and I was in my 30s, and uh, my whole dream of being even in front of the camera or in front of the mic was kind of like, well, that's not going to happen. Yeah. And <laughs> then I heard about this thing called podcasting, which is like basically having a radio show in your house. And... Uh, I thought, well, you know what, I'll do this for fun. If I can't do it for profit, if I can't do it as a job, I will, yeah. uh, I'll just do this for fun because I definitely had kind of an itch for broadcasting and podcasting kind of scratched that. And I said, well, what am I going to do a show about? And I thought, you know, I really want to do about something I'm legitimately interested in because I don't want to podcast just for the sense of podcasting. 
And I thought of different things. I'm like, well, I can't add much there. There's other people doing it. And then I looked around and there weren't, this was so early. This was the summer of 2005. Yeah. There were so few paranormal podcasts. So I thought, you know what? I've always, since I was a little kid, fascinated by the paranormal, used to watch the American TV show In Search Of with Leonard Nimoy. Yeah. And uh, go to a bookstore, library, first place I go is to that area. Looked it up on the internet, you know, constantly. Uh, Watch TV shows. So I'm like, you know what? I'll do a show on the internet. There's not many people doing that right now in terms of... um, Paranormal. Paranormal. So it was so early. In fact, I got the name The Paranormal Podcast and got it trademarked. (laughs) I mean, that proves just how early in the game it was, wasn't it, really? You you couldn't get that now for love. No, no. And the thing was, is that as far as I can tell, and again, I could be wrong. There could be somebody out there I'm not aware of. But in uh, a in terms of a show that's been continuously around, I think the Paranormal Podcast is the longest running podcast on the paranormal that's still going, as far as I know. Now, I'm open to being corrected. There could be somebody who started in 2004 that I'm not aware of that's still going. Yeah. Uh, Or earlier 2005. There are people that started shortly after me that are still going. But uh, so I'm kind of proud of that. That's kind of neat. And uh, the funny thing is, I thought I would do this for six months, right? (laughs) And I would have all the answers. I'd have all this stuff figured out. And the thing is, is that we're going on 18 years now. I have more questions than I have answers. (laughs) Yes. No, I can completely understand that. I mean, to be honest, as this particular show, it's not necessarily tongue in cheek. I always always get slightly annoyed when uh, I hear this show get reviewed as a little bit too non-serious. Because the thing is... Similar to yourself, I have a huge, deep and long vested interest in the paranormal. Mm -hmm. I've got a sincere respect, a sincere knowledge base when it comes to the paranormal. And it's just because I also have me as a personality. You know, my personality is what you're hearing now, more or less, nine times out of ten. Um, and that's what comes across on this show. And therefore, when people hear it, they're like, oh, he just wants to try and have a laugh. He's just trying to do this. And it's none of that. People like yourself did inspire me to do a podcast. But when people assume I've jumped on a bandwagon, I mean, this show now is coming up to its fifth year. It's not about, I mean, I was starting ghost clubs when I was like five years old, Sure, you know, and and trying to sign people up. I mean, I was the only one in the ghost club. It was a very limited number of members, uh, very exclusive, should I say, to make it sound better. Um, But within the sphere then, let's play a little game, Jim. Within the sphere of the paranormal as a whole, I'm going to fire a few words at you, and I want you to give me, out of 10, your belief. Oh, good. Your level of belief, okay? All right. So obviously zero being, nah, 10, 10 being two thumbs to the sky, 100%. Okay? I'm ready. Here we go. And you can give an explanation if needs be. One's not always required, but here we go. Okay. Angels. Eight. Ooh, very good. Bigfoot. Six. Ooh, okay, okay. Fairy folk. Seven. Now, you know what is an interesting one with fairy folk? And I hear this on a lot of podcasts. They don't like discussing fairy folk because they believe... (laughs) Jim's looking behind himself right now. Um, Because they believe 
you know, there'll be gremlins in the machine. There'll be this, there'll be that. There'll be some, you know, once you've said their name, you've conjured them into existence and they're going to wreak havoc. What's your belief level on that out of 10? That they'll wreak havoc? Uh, maybe a six, because I think the reason, going back to an explanation, the reason I said so high on fairy folk, mm. you know, maybe it's something at one point that we tended to call fairies, and now mm. we call it something else. So, so, uh, and uh, I think of things like the gin. Yeah. So are fairies fairies or are they something else? And when people, these days, I think when people think of fairies, they think of Tinkerbell, particularly in the States. But that's yeah. not what we're talking about. No. We're talking about no, the old, fae, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like in old English fairies, they're, they're like five foot eight, the, you know, the, the full-on pale English gentlemen, they're not like tiny little people that right. crawl through keyholes. Wings. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. right, right. So I think there's something. I think there's possibly something. Okay, interesting. Um, possession, as in full-on demonic exorcist-style possession. Nine, but I don't believe that it's common. Okay, I would agree with that. I would agree with that. Now, here's one for you. I've got a bit of a, a thing about type of spirits or ghosts or sightings that come in and out of fashion or seem to come in and out of fashion. So, for example, the hat man seems to be a relatively recent sort of shadow person, for want of a better phrase. So out of 10, what's your belief in the hat man? And do you think it is just maybe a variation of something else? I would say eight and yes. Okay. Fair enough. I like that. I like short and sweet. I like that because <laughs> I, d I did give you a, quite a yes and no question there. Um, okay, the last two... You know, we can take or leave these. Vampires. Mm. That one's tough. Do I think that they're blood-sucking vampires? Not people who believe that they're vampires, but actually, yeah. you know, kind of like, you know, they turn into a bat and three. Three, fair enough. I, I would agree with that score. And finally, zombies. And uh, I mean the atypical zombie, not necessarily someone who's had like puffer fish blown into the face. And Right. Uh, probably the same as I put them in the same category as uh, vampires. I'll give you a couple more you didn't ask me about. Please do. Ghosts, nine. Extraterrestrials, nine. Mm. Um, Ghosts, nine is surprising. I thought you would have been a solid one zero for that. No, I think um, I, I don't I don't give everything in 10. I don't give anything in 10. But I, but I mean, I always say that I'm if, if I'm a petrol gauge, a fuel gauge, I'm three quarters full for belief. I am definitely mm. strongly in the belief camp. I still have a little bit of, you know, well, I'm not sure. It's very hard to be a 10 on anything. But yeah. it, for me, probably a nine for me is more like a 10 for most people, I guess. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I, I wouldn't say like, for example, life on after death, I absolutely believe that it's real, but I'd still put that at a nine. You know, yeah. I still leave out that little bit. I could be wrong. I hope not, but yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's a very good point. And yeah, you're quite right. I can't believe it didn't put down extraterrestrials as well, because I would agree. I mean, the more and more that comes seems to come out, I mean, it's a touch off paranormal base, but the more that seems to be coming out in the last couple of years with Jeremy Corbell mm -hmm. and all of these videos we're seeing, the Tic Tac and the Nimitz, et cetera, 
Um, the more I'm thinking, they're kind of letting us, the drip feeding us knowledge to, as if to say, you know, it exists, guys. And eventually we'll all know it exists without anyone saying right. they exist. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Strange one. Indeed. Okay. So from obviously, um, I like you, I receive stories from people um, and some of them are great. Some of them are small. Some of them are long. Some of them quite funny. I always, I always have a, 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 a. I'm really quite bad when it comes to sentimental ghost stories. I'm not one for them. I, I like ghost stories that make me want to jump out of a window and try and find priests. <laughs> I, I genuinely do. So, so therefore, if somebody says, "And my pet dog died, and then I felt it brush against me leg," I'm a bit like, "Okay, fair enough." Um, but. That said, you're a man with over a decade's worth of ghost stories being sent to you on a daily basis. Is there any one particular story that unsettles you and stays on your mind and is repetitively played? Let me think about one that disturbs me. I, I'll give you one that disturbs me, but it disturbs me in a different way. Because okay. I worry about, I wonder about people who go missing sometimes. Now, certainly, I think in the vast majority of cases, the people who go missing, you know, have either, you know, unfortunately, maybe gotten an accident, not been able to find, be found. There's some foul play. They've been murdered. They've been kidnapped, something horrible. So I think the vast majority of people who go missing and are never found, there's there's usually a, probably a a kind of logical answer. Yeah. But what if there is another category of people who go missing and there is not a quote logical um, answer? Well, we yeah. have a story on the show that could kind of maybe give a glimpse into what could happen that would lead to somebody to be in that category. Uh, okay. Being a longtime listener, you probably heard this story, the Roadhouse mm. Saloon. Yes, yes, I have. But please, by all means, fire away. So basically, this is probably my all-time favorite campfire story. And it's terrifying, but not in a blood and guts kind of way. So basically, our um, caller, T.I., was in the American state of uh, Wisconsin, the place that, for folks who may not be familiar, it's in the upper Midwest of the United States. And they were in kind of a rural area. They, um, she was staying at a camp, I think, with her family on holiday. And her and another friend from the camp, a gentleman by the name of Bob, went about an hour away to see a band go play. Yeah. And um, uh, they um, close the place down. Typically here in the States, bars close at 2 o'clock. And it's, you know, most municipalities, it's illegal to be later than that and serve alcohol. Yeah. So they closed down the place uh, and stayed a little bit after even just talking to the band members because they were musicians as well. So anyway, they gather there about 2.30 in the morning. They're headed back to their campground about an hour away. It's a rural area, two-lane road, not a lot of lighting, uh, all woods. And T.I. tells Bob, I've got to go to the bathroom. And uh, Bob <laughs> says, well, you can pull up a tree, but other than that, there's not many options here. And she said, just drive fast. So he continues to drive, and in a few minutes, they come upon this bar. Now it's three o'clock in the morning. Everything should be closed, but it's lit up. There's neon signs. There's cars. You can hear the music coming out of the place. And he thought, well, that's weird, but let's not look a gift horse in the mouth. We'll go in and uh, do what needs to be done. 
So they go in. T.I. goes to the restroom. Bob gets a, a drink from the bar. And when T.I. comes back, Bob says, you know, I'm really glad that we came here in a way because see that mural over there? And the whole wall was point, uh, painted in the scene of like an old Western saloon in one of the old West movies. Yeah. And uh, he said, I've always heard about this, but I wanted to see it and finally got to see it. And, and they kept looking at it. And the more they looked at it, they realized that everybody in the painting was actually physically in the bar. You know, I have one guy that a cowboy standing against the wall. He was standing in a different part of the bar. The bartender yeah. was in a different part of scene. Uh, in the bar, there were some guys playing pool. In, in the mural, they were playing cards. So they were seeing yeah. people doing different things. He thought, well, that's weird. And they started talking to him. Well, maybe the artist is a regular here. These people are regulars. He just painted them into the scene, kind of as a tribute, a homage, if you will. Yeah. So another thing that was kind of strange was the people were weird. They were kind of blankly smiling. They weren't really interacting, but they were just kind of, you know, when somebody just kind of looks at you blankly and you kind of think, hmm. That's what, terrifying. What's going, going on with them? One man came up to T.I. and he had put some music on the jukebox. The jukebox was one of those old Woolitzer bubbler jukeboxes with vinyls in it. Right. Uh, old school. And put yeah. in uh, Chubby Checkers Let's Twist Again uh, from many years ago. Put it in and asked yeah. T.I. came over and asked T.I. to dance. He had a big grin and you know, his teeth were rotten. And T.I. Uh, had a cane. She walked with a cane and held it up and said, no, thank you. I don't do much dancing. And she said she actually was glad she had that to, to <laughs> offer as an excuse. Get out of jail free car. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, it was kind of a weird place, but again, they were happy they were able to stop and they were finishing up and they were talking. And, and then they noticed something they never noticed before. There's double doors, uh, like the old saloon doors in the old Western movies. The gunslinger would walk in and said, I won't yes. talk to the sheriff. That was kind of double doors. Yeah. But they noticed something in those doors that they did not notice initially. There were two kind of misty columns. One was taller than the other. And they started talking. It's like, I don't remember seeing it. They look back and they almost started to develop like an old school Polaroid picture. And this is on the mural. Yeah, on the, the mural. Yeah. One was male, appeared to be, it was like a humanoid figure, the other one female. And they talked some more and looked back and it had developed more. And the woman had curly hair and boots and T.I., had curly hair and boots. Oh, and the figure ended up having a cane. No. Uh, so basically, they were seeing themselves develop into the mural. At that point, they look at each other and say, let's get out of here. So wow. get out of there. They did. He said they went out. They closed the door. Everything went pitch black. Like it had never been open. And as they were coming back, going out, the, the people were kind of smiling and motioning for them to come back <gasps> so anyway uh they left they were the only car in the lot all the other cars were gone mysteriously but that's not yeah. the end of the story uh ti's braver than i am so a day or two later she comes back with her sister i think it was and it's she didn't wait till three o'clock in the morning she went about seven eight o'clock at night and mm -hmm. she went with her sister and there was a woman behind the bar 
And she said, oh, I was here the other night. There was this big, strapping, good-looking guy behind the bar. And the lady bartender said, well, I don't know who that was because the only two people that tend bar here are me and my elderly father. And then Tia thought, well, that's strange. So she walked over to the jukebox to take a look. Well, first of all, it was a different jukebox. It was not one of those old-school, beautiful, bubbler, Woolertzer vinyl jukeboxes. It was... At that time, a modern CD jukebox. Yeah. You know, by the way, it didn't have any chubby checker in it whatsoever. <laughs> and yeah, then with yeah. that, T.I. left and she's never been back since. But there's two little addenda to this story. Yeah. One is the place actually does exist. And author Chad Lewis went and took pictures of them and posted them on Facebook. The place exists and the mural exists. Um, the second thing is, is that uh, pre-pandemic 2019, uh, I went with a videographer and drove to T.I.'s home. Mm. And she's from Michigan, the state over from Wisconsin. And yeah. I went and visited with her and recorded a video version of the story with her. And I got to say, I believe her more now than I did on the initial telling. And she comes from a well-respected profession very nice person. I have no reason to not believe her. So to my original point, do you think it's ever possible that maybe people vanish because they go into some kind of portal or some kind of time slip or some yeah. alternate reality? I'm not saying, again, I'm not saying it's 99 out of 100. It might be one out of yeah. 10,000. But does that... But it's still one. Yeah, does that kind of thing exist? And what if they would have stayed? What would have happened if they would have stayed? Yeah. No, it's such a mind-blowing story. And uh, there's two stories that always stick out for me for Campfire. One is that, and one is, as no doubt you'll you'll expect me to say, um, my love, what a mirror image Oh, yes, I just told that um, the other night, yes. Because that, that's just, that sends shivers every time I think of it. Well, to your point in terms of time slips, there's an interesting one. I mean, I live in Liverpool City Centre, and on Bold Street, which is about a five-minute walk from where I am now, there's a very historic time slip just outside of what used to be a bookshop. And basically, a guy walked outside, I think it was in the 90s, and he's looking at his phone, and when he looks up, it's the 60s, um, and he's no idea what's going on. He can't recognise anything. Everything's changed. Um, I think a copper approaches him and is like, you know, because he looks out of place. And he just gets very dizzy and eventually comes to, and he's back in the 90s. Um, but that area of Bowl Street, it's got one, again, it's not a ghost story per se. Right. But it's it's such a historic place that there's one photograph that I've seen by urban explorers. And you know where something just sends a chill down your spine? Because there's no backstory behind it. There's no anything. But basically, Bowl Street is... It's two lots, lots of shops that run adjacent to each other down this big, long street. And at the top is a church called St. Luke's, but it's known locally as the bombed out church because it took a direct hit during World War II. And it's just, it's a shell, but we've left it there as a monument mm -hmm. to the horrors of war. Mm -hmm. um, and it sits at the top of Bowl Street, but underneath Bowl Street are a series of tunnels which connect all of the basements of the shops. And it's one of these situations where nobody really realized this until they started to renovate in the 80s and the 90s, and they'd find a tunnel which would lead through to somewhere. And one of these urban explorers on one of these locations, there's one photograph 
and it still sends a chill down my spine. He's basically knocked through to a cellar that they didn't know that was there that connects these two stores. And someone has wrote in Biro on the wall, do not enter here in capital letters, do not enter. This place is literal hell. And there's a date of like the 1st of May, 1964. And then underneath that in marker, it says the above is true. Please do not enter 1st of June, 1978. And it's just the fact that these two things with such disparate dates exist on this one entrance. As soon as I seen it, I got in touch and was like, please, can I go to this place immediately (laughs) and bring all of my friends and have a party? And they were like, no, no, it's been blocked up now. But it's an interesting thing, this idea of time slips, you know, and, and what causes these vortexes. And as you say, rightly, if people disappear, is it a genuine disappearance? Is it, you know, I know a lot of people will disappear and it'll be horrific. But there could be the, as you said earlier, one in 10,000 where they slip into the ether and we'll just never know. Yeah. Yeah. You never know. It does make you think. And again, it, it, it seems incredible, but it's different. You know, if somebody would have told me that story and I didn't meet the person, I'm like, well, that is a very imaginative, great fictional story. Yeah. But having met the person and looked them eye to eye, like, you know, yeah. inches from my face i believe her so yeah we did get we we got like um an, an, an almost a similar one uh, very quickly because i know very quickly because i can't remember the exact details but it's from a lady in the states who said that she fell out with a partner she went on a run and she, she used to go on a usual run around this lake and this lake had um uh, a, a first nation name which i won't attempt to try because i can't recall what it was right. um but she ran around this lake and she knew where she'd parked the car. And anyway, she'd been running. It should have lasted about two hours, but she'd been running about three hours and she hadn't come back on herself. And she looked at a watch and she looked across the lake and could, she could see a car. And she was like, I'll just keep going. So she goes for another hour and she looks across the lake and the car's still there. And it's like she's not gaining any ground. It gets to the point where she thinks, you know what? The only sensible thing to do is to swim across the lake to get to my car. Hmm. And just as she's about to do that, something like, I think it was, she said it was skeletal comes out of the bushes and makes her faint. And when she comes to, it's the next day, everything's normal. She manages to walk to a car. It turns out anyway, the translation of um, this first American name for the lake is the drowning lake. And it's because so many people allegedly get confused going around it that they think the only way to get back to where they came from is by swimming across. Oh. And when they attempt to swim across, they inevitably drown. Hmm. And that really freaked me out because it was like, I do think there, there is a lot of energy within the earth that can do spectacular things to our brains that we just don't understand. I agree with that. And that's, that's the thing I've taken from the shows over the last, whatever it is, 17 years is that I don't have answers, but the one thing I feel pretty confident about is that reality is far stranger than we understand. Um, You hear stories, for example, uh, I was just on another podcast and the host told a story where uh, someone, or I know I think it was her, she saw what she perceived to be a ghost, but the ghost seemed as shocked to see her as 
she was to see it. So the question is, who is the ghost? And, you know, again, I, I, I think that things like our loved ones coming to visit us and giving us signs, I think that's real. But I don't necessarily think that's the only explanation for something like ghosts. I think there's time slips. I think there's crossings of different realities. It's just uh, there's a lot of different things going on. And I don't think there's just one easy explanation for everything. Yeah, I think I think we share a similar mindset in relation to like almost a 90% belief level, but that 10% is made up of a thousand theories about why it all may take place. Right. Um, and you take your pick amongst which you think that might be. So, Jim, obviously you're uh, a hero when it comes to the podcast and paranormal world. And this is the thing. I often hear podcasters, mainly in America, refer to you as the new Art Bell. Um, now, I... I'll be perfectly honest. I never heard Art Bell. We didn't really get him in the UK unless you had specific radio equipment right. or you were, you know, um, you were so into the subject from the early 80s on, uh, at which point I was like a toddler, so I wasn't going to be, uh, that you had, you managed to be able to get these shows in. And now, of course, it can with the internet. How do you take the sort of adoration that is, it, that comes your way? Well, um, people have always been very nice. I will say this, Art Bell was kind of the originator um, of this whole format. Now, obviously, it was before podcasting. It was in radio, uh, but with his show Coast to Coast AM that he basically created and created this format because originally he was a political talk show host. But uh, he started doing paranormal topics and noticed that the interaction was a lot better on the paranormal topics and, and moved everything over to the paranormal. So first of all, I think that he was the best to do it. I don't think anybody who I've heard who has, has done it as well. There've been not to say that there aren't some great broadcasters and some great podcasters, but I think he is the originator. Uh, in the United States, we would point to somebody like uh, Johnny Carson for uh, late night talk shows that would yeah. be the originator of a format. Now, in England, I'm trying to think who like an all time classic presenter. It would probably be Parkinson, Michael Parkinson. Yeah, oh, yeah, I've probably. seen interviews of him. Uh, fantastic. In fact, I just saw one with him with the American drummer Buddy Rich a couple of months ago. Um, so yeah. it would. He would be like that. So Art Bell is kind of that kind of person. Okay, um, that makes sense. He's the originator of the genre. Um, so I consider it high praise. Uh, I don't really think I'm worthy of it, uh, but I will <laughs> accept it gracefully and say thank you very much, and I'm honored and, and humbled by it. Well, as much as, you know, as you quite rightly say, you're humbled by that sort of praise, um, we're about to bestow upon you the possibly the greatest honor on this podcast in all honesty and that is she doesn't yet know it and when she finds out she, she might get the hump but that's fine um <laughs> you're about to take the place of becca in becca's reddit corner oh my well you know of all the uh the, the huzzas that i've gotten over the years i think this is the top one i think i can just retire after this ladies and gentlemen now it is time for Paranormal Reddit Corner with Jim Harold. So I earlier, well, I say earlier, moments ago, I sent you a screenshot from Reddit itself. I don't know whether you've had the chance I've to get that up. Got it right here. 
It's a few paragraphs. It's recently been uploaded by some stranger we don't know on Reddit. So, Jim, take it away with this week's Reddit Corner. Okay, here we go. This is titled as An Interesting Encounter. And here it goes. Uh, Okay, this feels a little odd for me to add, though I thought it might be worth it. A few years ago, my grandpa had passed away. He wasn't a very big believer on ghosts or anything regarding the paranormal until he was in his older years. Well, I end up inheriting his 86 T-Bird. And here comes the strange part. Lots of history with the car between myself and my grandpa. Anyway, a few months after he passed, I'm driving the car to work, listening to music, and just processing the fact that he's truly gone. The car is all I have left, or so I thought. I drive towards one of my work sites, and out of nowhere, I get a blast of cologne he always wore. Givenchy. (laughs) It was his favorite uh, cologne to use whenever we were going out anywhere. I pull up to my work site and park the car. I can smell the cologne so strongly in the passenger seat, and I'm staring at it like, there's no cologne in here, but why does it smell like grandpa's? It takes me a solid two minutes to figure out that his spirit was in the car with me. His spirit had taken a ride with me to that work that entire day. The cologne scent didn't dissipate one bit. He was honestly reassuring to me that he was still there in a way. So yeah, interesting encounter for me because of the fact that when he was alive, not a strong believer in the afterlife. Welp, he proved himself wrong because he still hangs around with me when something's wrong. And that's uh, that's the story uh, from Reddit this week. It's by Oma Storm, I believe, is the person it's credited yeah. to. Yeah, that's um, um, Mr. and Mrs. Oma Storm's favorite son. Um, <laughs> Jim, thank you very much. What do you make of that? I know that we've... We've heard on the campfire several stories of communication from the afterlife. Uh, for me, it's an interesting one because I and I'm fine with this in every possible way. But when somebody says to me, I've had some reassurance of somebody who's passed on, I kind of lose all interest in belief or disbelief at that point. If they've taken something positive from it, I'm very much like, yes take it well i will say this i agree with you about that if it means something to the person experiencing it whether it happened or not more power to them but i do put some credence into this idea because and i've had strange experiences like this i think you know i think people have this feeling first of all i do believe that our loved ones in some cases i don't think it's easy and i don't think it's every single day but i do think loved ones do try to reach back and communicate to the living and a lot of times i don't think that's as a full body apparition but it is in a subtle way but in a subtle way that would be very impactful to the mm. recipient something that might mean nothing to you or me but to the yeah. person it's aimed at it means everything And this fits that perfectly because, you know, if I rode in this T-Bird, it'd be cool. I'm riding in a T-Bird and it smells like Givenchy cologne. Big deal. But to this person, it meant everything because they knew the connection. So to me, it rings true from the standpoint of something that I've observed through the years, through the stories, is that one key way it seems loved ones try to communicate are through these very, very specific signs. And, you know, it's one thing, 
you know, to maybe see a bird or something like that. But Cologne is very yeah. specific. And I don't know, I've been under the hood and uh, of, a, of a car. I've never seen one with Cologne in it. Now, if it smelled like oil <laughs> or petrol or gasoline, yeah, maybe yeah. maybe it's the car. But I don't know. I, I, I like this one. Yeah, I like it too. And I think you're right in what you're saying in terms of the specificity mm-hmm. of these encounters. It makes me, it does make me think from like a, an almost like um, comedy standpoint. You know, like when you're walking down the street and you may get a waft of something, you're like, oh my God, what is that? I wonder if that was intended for the person in front. Do you know could what be, I mean? Could be. They've completely missed it. And <laughs> yeah, you're like, exactly. oh my God. Exactly. Whoa. Too much cologne. You've missed out on a psychic experience there by a few feet. There you Never go. Mind. And by the way, I will say this. I think it's okay to have a little fun at the expense of the paranormal, not making fun of it, but have some fun and have a laugh. Because I think that's something our societies have lost, not only mm. for the paranormal, but every aspect of life. I think you should be able to laugh at religion. I think you should be able to laugh at politics, relationships, Correct. Uh, academia, uh, and I think we've lost that. So I, I think you can love and respect something and still have a joke. I think it Correct. can all be true. Correct. And what, that's a perfect way to round off this show, Jim. So uh, again, sincerely from the bottom of my swinging brick, I want to thank you so much <laughs> for agreeing to come onto the show. It, it's a genuine, sincere honor and pleasure to have you on. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. And as I say to my audience, I'll say to you and your audience, stay spooky. We will indeed, Jim. (laughs) 